Welcome to Thrive Church. We are so happy to have you here with us today. I'm Judah, lead pastor of Thrive. And, and you know, this week uh, for, for many of us is uh, a time of celebration as we celebrate Memorial Day. But for many, uh, it's a time of, of actual uh, remembrance of those who have, you know, given their lives in service of our country. So before we get started, I just want to take a few moments and just pray for those that maybe are in that situation. So Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. And Lord, as we prepare to celebrate Memorial Day, Lord, we just ask you to comfort those who have lost loved ones, family members, friends, in serving our country. We ask you to Mend their broken hearts. Give them your peace. Give them your comfort, Lord. Direct them and draw them closer to you. We thank you for the men and women who have given their lives for our country. And we ask you to bless their families, their loved ones, at this time of remembrance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, uh, we're in a series now called Restored. Restored. And, and, and throughout this series, the, the idea is that God can make things new, that God can make all things new. If you've ever restored something, you know what it's like uh, giving new life to something. To restore something means that you take something that maybe someone else has discarded and you transform it and give it worth again. Maybe you've done something like this before. You've restored something, a car, a, a piece of furniture, a home. And when we do this, we see the new life that comes from that. God is a God of restoration. But many of us, we feel like we're beyond repair. Maybe you feel like, oh, you know what? If you knew the things I've done in my past, God wouldn't want to have anything to do with that. I don't know that God can repair me. We question ourselves and say, have I gone too far? Am I too messed up? Am I too broken for God to heal, for God to restore? Today we're going to be looking at a woman in the Old Testament. This is the first part of the Bible. This is in the, the Hebrew Bible, the history of Israel, the, the Jewish nation. And we see a woman who was broken. Many would say broken beyond repair, perhaps but how God moved in a powerful way in her life. We begin in Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove, and he instructed them, Scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. Now, just a little context what's going on here is that you know, God had delivered the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, they went out of Egypt, but right into the wilderness where they wandered for 40 years. Why did they wander there? Because they went to the land that God promised them, and Moses sent spies into the land, and they were terrified. They said, the, 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 the cities are too strong. The people are too strong. We feel like grasshoppers going in there. We don't stand a chance. So God made them wander in the wilderness for 40 years, and here we see them at the end of that 40 years, and Moses has passed away, and now Joshua, one of the original two spies, one or 12 spies, one of the two spies who came back and said, no, we think we can take this. We think God has our back. He's there again. And he sends two spies in, two spies to scout out the land as they go in and prepare to conquer it, to scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan, especially 
around Jericho. Jericho was a powerful city. Um, you know, historians say the walls were so thick that they could, they could drive chariots on top of the walls of the city. This was a, a powerful city. It, it was a, a hub of commerce. People would look to Jericho. And here he sends two spies to go into Jericho. And so the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. Now, people like to just brush right, right by this, but I like to just stop for just a moment and just embrace the awkwardness of the situation, okay? I don't know why they were at the house of a prostitute. In fact, it's, it's kind of funny because as I'm studying this, there's many theologians, well, I shouldn't say many, there's a few theologians out there that say, well, actually, she wasn't a prostitute. She was an innkeeper because, because they're so afraid uh, of this connotation. Like, like we, don't, we don't know how, what, what people would think if, if they think that she's actually a prostitute. We see her mentioned elsewhere, and it's clearly that she's a prostitute. But somebody's like, well, you know, we, we don't want to, you know, we, we're going to clean this up just a little bit. It's pretty clear what she did for a living. She lived in this house in the wall of the city, and she plied her trade of a prostitute, a hooker. It bothers people that God will use somebody so messed up like that. But I think it gives me hope personally. I'm like, if God could use a hoe, then maybe he can use me, right? Like, if God could use Rahab, maybe I got a chance. Like, I don't know, I'm not sure. Maybe. See, this is the whole point of the story. In your notes, if you're taking them, God saves undeserving people. God saves undeserving. Aren't you glad that God saves undeserving people? Because if God didn't save undeserving people, none of us would be here. Like, like, you know, I don't know what you did, but I can guess what you've done. And, and, and you probably don't deserve to be here any more than I deserve to be here. And, and surely we're probably better people than Rahab was. God uses undeserving people. You ever seen the, sing the song? If, if you grew up in church, you sang it. If you ever went to... Uh, a funeral, you sang it. I mean, you hear the song all the time. It's, it's a classic church song. Maybe you can sing a part of it with me. Here we go. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Hold on just a second. Hold on. You guys are singing great, but hold on. Did you hear what you just sang? That saved a wretch like me. Like, how, how many times do we sing that? Like, yeah, that's me. I'm, I'm a wretch, you know? Yeah, that is definite. No, you know what we're doing? That saved a wretch like the guy I'm sitting next to over here. Like, that's more of our mentality. It's like, it's not saved a wretch like me. It's saved a wretch like you. But yet we sing the song. Are we singing it in truth? Maybe they're a wretch, but not me. I'm not a wretch. So anyhow, Rahab is there. These men pull over at her house. The king hears that spies came into Jericho. And so he hears that, that they went to Rahab's house, so he sends some of his loyal army to go to Rahab's house, and they go and say, uh, just so you know, some men came into the city, and they're spies from Israel, and they came to your house, and, and, she, and we want you to send them out because they're spies. And you know what Rahab says to the to the men that came, she says, they were here, but, uh, but I don't know where they were from, and, and then they just left. I don't know where they went, but if you run really fast right now, maybe you could catch them. But the truth was, they were actually there. They were hiding on the roof. They, she took them and hid them under some bundles of flax on the roof, and she sent the king's men on a wild goose chase 
to find them. See, the king expected Rahab to do her patriotic duty and turn in these spies. If you think about this, this was an act of treason. It's an act of treason. What she did, she was betraying her own country. Why would somebody do this? Why would Rahab betray her own country? Why would Rahab be a traitor in this situation? Well, we see a little bit as she's talking to these spies. The king's men have been sent out chasing them, unaware that they're still in Rahab's house, and Rahab is now talking to them. And it says, before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. She hid them up there. My guess is she got pretty good at hiding men. You know, somebody would come in, oh, let, let me hide you, let me hide you. So she's hiding them. She knows where to hide them, where nobody will look. She goes up there to talk to them. I know... The Lord has given you this land. Think about the faith in that statement. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them, and we are all afraid of you. Everyone in this land is living in terror, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. This was something that happened 40 years earlier. But Rahab had heard about how God, the God of Israel, had parted away through the Red Sea so they could go through on dry land. She says, we've heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River. We saw how you conquered them, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder no wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things as that. We don't have the courage to fight you. Isn't it amazing, though, that the first time the spies came into this land, the spies were terrified? And yet all along, these people in Jericho are saying, oh, we don't want to mess with them. Like God, he parted the Red Sea on their behalf. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear, verse 11. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord, your God, is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Your God is the supreme God. Man, Rahab is stepping out here. She's, she's taking a risk. She's coming out on the limb. She knew that God was going to do something. I, I almost think that, that she had more faith than the guys had. I mean, here they are. They're, they're spying out the land. They want to see, is this likely? Can we defeat it? Uh, is there good resources? Will we be able to come in and do what we need to do? She, she said back in verse 9, I know the Lord has given you the land. She already had the confidence that God had won the battle. She had more faith than they did. She saw that God had moved in the past, and she wanted to be a part of it. She's like, hey, I, I, I want to be on, on the right side. I want to be on the right side here. Not only did she hear what God had done, but she took action on it. She took action. She, she was literally burning some bridges, and she took a risk that she didn't know if it would pay off. She comes and says, hey, I, I know I know you guys are some bad guys. You did some, some crazy stuff. We've heard the rumors, and we are terrified. And now she's risking her life. She was willing to take a risk for God. Do we find ourselves ever willing to take a risk for God, or are we cowering in fear at the mention of his name? Are we willing to take a risk, to take a step, to take a leap of faith like Rahab did? You know, if you risk nothing, you'll gain nothing. If you don't take a risk, you're never going to gain anything. And, and this... 
this was a big risk for her, but if you think about it, it was a bigger risk for her to do nothing. Because if she did nothing, she would stay there in Jericho and watch it be defeated with her and her family in the middle of the wall. In your notes, God moves when we step out in faith. When we step out in faith, that's when, when God moves. God does some amazing things when we step out in faith. In Joshua 2, verse 12, continuing on here. Now she's talking to them. She's talking to them. She says, now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me. This word here, the Lord, that's the word Yahweh. This is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now swear to me by this Lord that you'll be kind to me and my family since I've helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you'll let me live along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all their families. I mean, this is a bold ask. Like, she's asking for a lot. She's saying, hey, I helped you guys. I helped. I could have turned you in to the king. That would have been the right thing for me to do in this situation, but I didn't. I betrayed my country to help you, and now I have a question for you. Will you be kind to me? Can I make a bargain with you? She makes a deal with God's people to protect her and her family. She took a risk. She chose in that moment to identify herself with the children of God rather than her own city, her own uh, land that she was raised in. So the spies, they agree, and they say, fine, we'll help you. Here's the deal. We want you to hang a scarlet rope out of your window. And when we come and we destroy the city, Everything will be destroyed except the home where the scarlet rope is. We won't touch anybody in there. You'll be saved. But if people are not in your house, then, then they're not going to be saved. So she did what she was told. After Joshua and the children of Israel came, if you know the story, they marched around Jericho for seven days. The walls came tumbling down, and Joshua said to the spies, he says, go keep your promise. Go keep your promise to Rahab. So they went in, and they brought everyone who was in her house to safety. It didn't matter how many people she brought into her home. He says, anybody that's in that house will be able to come to safety. They spared her because she took a risk. They spared her because she took a step of faith. See, not all Jericho fell. You know, if you know the story, the walls came tumbling down and all these walls came down, but not all of it fell. There was one sliver, one house, one home that was left, and it belonged to a woman who identified with God's kingdom rather than the kingdom of Jericho, the kingdom of the world. Otherwise, she would have went down with the rest of the city. In your notes, when you have faith, your past doesn't need to dictate your future. When you have faith, like Rahab did. Your past doesn't need to dictate your future. Rahab had a pretty sketchy past. And it's very easy for your past to dictate your future, but because she had faith, it changed her future. It wasn't too late for Rahab, and I say it's not too late for you because God loves to restore what is broken. See, Rahab had a rehab. She was rehabbed. She was restored. She was brought back to life again. God is the one who wants to bring restoration. He wants to bring restoration to us. He wants to bring healing to us. See, see, the thing of it is, is God brings restoration. God brings it to the most broken. When you've broken uh, you, your uh, relationship with God from the sin that's happened in your life, when, when you've broken you know, the relationship by your past, God wants to offer you freedom. 
So they save her. They bring her out. They bring her out of Jericho. They bring her into Israel, and she falls in love with a guy named Salmon. Like, he must have, like, really loved fish or something. I don't know. She falls in love with this guy named Salmon. Salmon was, or, or Salmon, I don't know how you pronounce it, Salmon. We'll say Salmon, because that sounds better. Um, Salmon was the founder of Bethlehem. Remember any, any significant person that came from Bethlehem? Remember Jesus came from Bethlehem? Salmon founded Bethlehem. And, 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 and by faith, she became something spectacular. See, see, Rahab's story doesn't end with the Old Testament. It doesn't end there. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 5, it says, Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. If you've ever studied the story of Ruth, now you know that Ruth's mother-in-law, one of them was Naomi, of course, but one of her mother-in-laws was Rahab, the hooker from Jericho. It says Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. What's a hoe doing in the lineage of Jesus Christ, though? You know, her, her great-great-grandson was a King David, and you keep going down further down the line, and we see Jesus Christ of Nazareth. As most people read Matthew, they skip this chapter. They skip it because, like, oh, it's just, it's just people's parents. It's just lineage. It's just all this boring stuff. But here, Rahab married Salmon. Boaz then was gleaning in the field, and he sees Ruth, and he marries Ruth, and they have Obed and Jesse and David, and down the line until Jesus Christ. See, not only, not only does she make it into the New Testament, but she also makes it into the lineage of Jesus Christ. Not only does she make it, she, she makes it into the lineage of Jesus. Jesus has a prostitute in his background. For his, his great, 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 great grandmother was a harlot, was a whore. And, and he wasn't ashamed of this. Was her background too bad? No, her background wasn't too bad. Her background wasn't too bad. But Jesus, he, he chose her. God chose her to be in this lineup. You know, in your notes, you're not too broken to be used by God. You might feel like you're broken. Oh, I'm broken. I've done some things. I'm so broken. You're not too broken to be used by God. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, we see what's called the hall of faith. And the hall of faith is this, is this you know, mention of all these people of great faith. And it says things like it was by faith that Noah built an ark and saved his family from the flood. It was by faith that Abraham left his homeland and he went to the promised land of Canaan. It was by faith that Joseph said to the, the people of Israel that they would be freed from slavery in Egypt. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for several years and, and, and he went and he served. He was uh, part of the Pharaoh's household. It was by faith that Moses came back and led Israel out of slavery. It was by faith that Israel marched around Jericho and the walls came tumbling down in verse 31 of Hebrews 11. It was by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, that girl can't catch a break, can't she? It's like here they are thousands of years later. They still know her as, you know, Rahab the hoe, Rahab the prostitute. Oh, yeah, yeah, Rahab. Oh, you mean the prostitute? Yeah, that's who I'm talking about. But she wasn't a hoe no mo. It says by faith, Rahab, 
The prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had been given a friendly welcome to the spies. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and all the prophets. Hold on a second. Gideon? Samson? You mean King David, the man after God's own heart? We don't have time for them. We don't have time to tell you about King David and how he went up against a giant with a sling. We don't have time to tell you about how Gideon went to battle with just some torches and and, and a sword. We don't have time to tell you about them, but we got time to tell you about a prostitute who had enough faith to go and speak to the spies and help them to save the city. And help to save her family. Don't forget about Rahab. It wasn't too late for Rahab. And so it's not too late for you. It's not too late for me. And even if your past is bad, it's not too late. Even a, even a lying prostitute can have faith. Right? She lied to the king. She said, oh no, they're not here. They, they left. They went on. Even a lying prostitute ends up in the hall of faith saying, we don't got time to talk about Samson. Samson, the guy who who was so strong, he killed the lion with his bare hands, so strong, he pushed down a coliseum on thousands of Philistines. We don't have time to talk about him, but we got time to talk about Rahab, the prostitute, who took a step to save her family, who took a step to leave her home behind and follow a new God, who took a step and ended up in the lineage of Jesus. If there's hope for her, there's hope for you, there's hope for me. In your notes, we can walk in faith even when the odds are stacked against us. We can walk in faith even when the odds are stacked against us. Maybe you feel like the odds are stacked against you today. Maybe you feel like the odds are stacked against you in your life. We can walk in faith. Scripture says that we walk by faith and not by sight. So many of us, we want to walk by sight. I want to see what's ahead of me. Oh, oh, I'll believe it if I see it. But if you wait till you see it to believe it, that's not even faith at all. That's just simply logic. See, faith is when we act on something that we don't see. It's taking a risk. It takes faith to believe for restoration of your marriage. It takes faith to believe that you're going to pass the grade and get the grades that you need. It takes faith to take a step of faith, to pursue a job you feel like God has called you to. It takes faith to step out, to get recovery from the addiction. It takes faith. Maybe you feel like you can't shake your title. Maybe you feel like you've been labeled something, much like Rahab. Even thousands of years later, they're calling her Rahab the prostitute. Rahab the prostitute. Maybe for you, it's something else. I don't know what your title is, but maybe you can't shake it. You see people from your past, and they, and they bring that up. Maybe, maybe the alcoholic, maybe the abuser, maybe the, the, the divorcee, maybe, you know, whatever it is. And you can't shake this title. No matter how bad your past was, God can still put you in the hall of faith. Just as he did with Rahab, just as he did with this lying prostitute, he brings her into the hall of faith because she took a step when no one else did. See, faith is demonstrated by your works and not by your words. So many people like to talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. So many people like to to, to talk about their, their ideals, but they don't actually live it in their everyday life. See, faith without works is dead. Faith is demonstrated by your works and not by your words. So let me see the, the thing of faith that you did. 
When have you stepped out in faith and done something for the kingdom of God? When have you been like, like Rahab and said, I'm going to take a risk for God. I'm going to take a step for God. I'm not talking about faith talk. Yeah, many of us, we can talk the talk, but where is your faith walk? When, when is the last time you did what you say you believe and you've acted out in faith? Rahab is mentioned once more. She's mentioned in, in James chapter 2, verse 25. Rahab the prostitute, again, again, with that label, you know. They just, you know, it's like there's no other Rahabs in the Bible, but they want to make sure you remember her. Where she came from. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God. Why? By her actions. Underline that. By her actions. Rahab was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Faith without good works is dead. She could have believed what she said she believed. Say, oh, oh, we heard. We heard about how, how God saved you from the Red Sea. We heard about all these things. Everybody had heard about this, but only Rahab was bold enough to take a step to say, will you spare me and my family? Will you spare us from the impending doom? Will you spare us? Will, will, will you be gracious to us and merciful to me and my family? by her actions she didn't just say i heard about your god once she didn't just take him in and hide him no she saw it through she was delivered because she exercised faith do we exercise faith the faith that moves mountains the faith that breaks bondages you know life may throw you dirt it certainly threw her some dirt she certainly had a, a bad past but she climbed out of the ditch that she was in. And even though people still, thousands of years later, recognize her by her old name, we know that that is not what God knows her as. I, I think if, if we die and go to heaven, like most people are like, I, I, I want to I see Jesus. Like I, I, I want to see Jesus. Now we're going to be there for eternity, right? And it's like, like what's that line going to look like, right? It's like, okay, you've got 400 million people in front of you in the line to see Jesus, right? But I think there's probably some other people that are maybe lesser known, that, that maybe don't have as big of a line, that maybe you can say, oh, I want to see this person, I want to see that person. And, and, and you, you go up to St. Peter, and you're like, you know, can, can you just hold my spot in line to see Jesus? I'd like to see some of these other people. Like, like, like nobody's wanting to see Jonah, you know. Nobody's wanting, he's like, you know, you, you, you waited, and you wanted God to destroy that city. Like, like, and he said, you know what, Peter, uh, while, while we're waiting, I, I would like to see Rahab the prostitute. He's like, okay, let, let me check. Sounds kind of sketchy, but let me check. He's searching, 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 searching. I'm sorry. I don't see a Rahab the prostitute. We do have a Rahab the righteous, if you'd like to get in line to see her, though, because she isn't a prostitute anymore. Because of her faith, God transformed her life. Because of her faith, God worked in miraculous ways, and he's wanting to work in your life, too. And if God could make Rahab useful, imagine what he could do for you. He could turn you around. He could make you useful for the kingdom of God. And in God's kingdom, even the worst sinner is just as welcome as the best of saints. If God can restore Rahab, 
He can restore you. He can use you. Your past does not prevent you from being used by God. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. And we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace, O oh Lord. And we just ask you, Lord, to use us as you see fit. Just as Rahab took a step of faith, Lord, we want to take that step of faith also. We've heard of the great things that you've done. We've heard how you heal the sick. We've heard how you restore lives. We've heard how you break the bondages of addiction. We ask you to do it again. Do it here in our lives. Work in our lives, O oh Lord. Work in our spirit, O oh Lord. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Don't let another day go by. Make today the day that you've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Scripture says if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you say with your mouth, Jesus, you are my Lord, that you'll be saved. Won't you call on Jesus now and say, Jesus, you are my Lord. I'm turning from my past and I choose to follow you. Jesus, you are my Lord. So Lord, let us have the faith of Rahab. Rahab the righteous. Let us have her faith so that we hear your words and we put them into action so that we do the things that you want us to do. Lord, let us have her faith so that we can see the lives of our families transformed, so that we can see the lives of our family come to you. Lord, Lord, let us have her faith. And we know that you are a powerful God. And if you used her, you can use me. If you used her, you can use us. If you healed her, you can heal us. If you restored her life, you can restore us too. And we thank you, and we praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can go and visit us at www.thrive.church. If you're ever in the area, we'd like to invite you to come and join us. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, we encourage you to leave a rating, review, share with your friends and family. Until next time, may you grow deeper in God's word each day.